Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. The Around the NFL podcast is running out of money tags. Not really. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Colleen Wolf, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, people? Hey, hey. Nice, nice. Happy Eclipse Day, everybody. Did you look at it? Went out there. Um, there was a gathering of several dozen NFL media employees this morning. Um, somebody handed me a pair of glasses. Really? I lo- yeah, I looked at it. I said, okay, and I went back inside. 12 seconds, in and out. Other people spent a whole morning out there <laughs> shutting down their work day as if that's appropriate. Old Daddy Zeuser had to get back inside and do some work. I'm with you. I spent at most 10 seconds taking a look at it, but I noticed that a lot of people essentially were just couched on the roof, avoiding anything resembling a professional approach to their work day. <laughs> Well, I got yelled at last night by uh, a group you were included, I think, Dan, when I thought that I could just put on my regular sunglasses and look at the sun. It'd be fine. How dare you? So then I was afraid to even look out the window today. Of course, there's a photo that was you know, viral on uh, Twitter today of our president looking up at the sun without anything, anything sunglasses or the shades <laughs> oh, or anything. God. Greg, I'm going to take a guess. I've known you for many years now. Uh, your official statement is, eh, who cares? No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not for or against it. Yeah, who cares? I, was, I wasn't involved it's like in John it. Like John Harbaugh, of you. I like that. Uh, you know, I mentioned how my I learned a lot about it from my daughter's you know kids podcast. That got a lot of pop. For people were really fascinated by this kid kids podcast that they exist. <laughs> that that uh, that I wouldn't let her listen to it on both ways. Like in the direction, yeah, she just wants to learn. I'm holding that back from her. Two quick things wow. about the eclipse that I found intriguing. One that uh, when the when the thing passed and the sun essentially re- reappeared in the when sky. When the moon passed, you mean? Yeah, when the well, when the whole thing, the whole event, you know, closed <laughs> oh. out. Oh, the and all these animals were going insane at zoos and stuff. Yeah, they that were, was their cool. body clocks were crazy. And this word, the path from South Carolina to Oregon, called the celestial interstate. That's Ooh. the path that Ooh. the moon sun combo traveled on. Is this possibly? The subject of a future heat and light podcast because I feel I don't like think it is. so because I my um, my one feeling is that Twitter kind of kind of if you were on Twitter kind of ruined the eclipse mm. a little bit and the mm. eclipse maybe a little overrated just a tad overrated and how it was uh, handled by some I That's think in fair. general it's a wonderful event but when all these people are you know <laughs> making too much of it you know I I've I could do a little less of that sneaky overrated I'm kind sneaky of sneaky overrated the eclipse <laughs> that's the official stance of the around the NFL podcast if uh, anybody wants to use that. For a quote, sneaky overrated. Today's show, nice show today. It's a you know one of our preseason wrap-up shows uh, because guess what, guys? In the race to crown the preseason champion of the NFL, we're halfway home. I can't believe it. Halfway home. Everybody's played at least two games now, and uh, we'll go through. We talked about it on our Looks last. Except for uh, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I mean, the Browns could night. go 2-0 oh, tonight, forget about them. Sorry, I apologize. The Browns play tonight. Our left. 
primetime under the lights. I mean, that place is going to be electric. I know the league would like to act like Cleveland never deserves right. a primetime game. You just tried the same thing. Well, this is their last <laughs> Monday night football game of the year. Well, potentially for many years. <laughs> so anyway, the Browns are playing tonight. Who are they playing tonight? They are playing the Giants from New York City. Very nice. Slash New Jersey. Yes. Um, so that game. But we also have um, – uh, we talked about some games on our Friday show, but we have, what, 12 games to talk about today. A lot. 24 teams divided by two equals 12 games. Nailed it. That's good. And, you uh, that right now in your yeah. head? Cool. And we'll do some news, including a quarterback uh, battle is over. Uh, in fact, let's talk about that right now. Uh, before we do that, though, we got to go behind the glass. There she is, the um, rising star. Some people call her a loose cannon. She's, she's <laughs> got a lot going on right now. Can she rein it all in? Her name is Erica Tamposi. How are you, Erica? You know, great. You're doing well? Yeah. Good. Feeling a little weird from the eclipse, you know, feeling some some weird vibes. See, this is what I'm talking some about. Like wow. celestial energy, some strange. No, I'm totally making that up. I feel nothing. Oh, okay. I feel so, absolutely nothing. Again, I feel overrated. nothing. Yeah. I feel nothing yeah. at all, yeah. ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sneaky overrated, the yeah. eclipse. Let's do some news. Somebody's got to come down with that. Hey, guys, we are still here at Fernhill Fainer's farm with all these goats. Uh, since the eclipse, I have gotten a couple of them too faint. <laughs> I have gotten some of them to faint, he says. I mean, it feels concerning. Maybe it's just a um, fundamental difference between you and I, Mark. I think that for all the ills of social media, and, and despite the eclipse itself being you know, sneaky, overrated. I like the communal aspect of social media, people coming together on Twitter to be excited and talk about this silly thing. And one of the, um, one of the products of that is, was a live periscope of a man at a goat farm where there was fainting goats, and he was just there to see if the goats were going to faint. And it happened? When the eclipse happened, nobody fainted. He fainted. He fainted, but I that was a bit. I started watching it. Oh, that, that, that was, was a bit. bit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. he totally fainted. That I agree be. with the community thing. It's just there's a saturation point where some of the dumbness <laughs> becomes unnecessary. I got you. I got you. All right, let's start with, uh, yes, I, I teased it seconds ago. A decision has been made in Denver, and Trevor Simeon is going to be the Denver Broncos' week one starter and perhaps their starter for the foreseeable future. Uh Broncos coach Vance Joseph named Simeon the quarterback uh, during a Monday news conference. Um, he called Simeon the clear-cut winner over Paxton Lynch, who, of course, was a first-round pick last year. Uh-oh. Uh, let's hear what Vance Joseph had to say in uh, explaining how he came to this decision. I was pleased with both guys. <clears throat> but overall, um, the operation of the entire offense – Decision-making, ball placement was more consistent with Trevor. That's why he won the job. I met with those guys this morning. They understood that. Um, we just finished our team meeting, so everyone's on the same page. You know, we're all going to support, uh, support Pax moving forward. He's a young player. He's got a bright future still. And uh, in my opinion, you know, we have two quarterbacks. You know, most teams can't say that, and I truly believe that. Mark? Well, I mean, I, I don't even know if they needed to make this decision uh, official because if anyone watched the game on Saturday, Lynch is clearly uh, not ready for this for this role. And, and it was incredible to watch Trevor, Trevor Simeon come in with about three and a half minutes left in the first half after, after Lynch had produced maybe, what, 32 yards off of, you know, 13 passes and a sack. To have uh, Simeon come in, and the offense absolutely came to life. He ripped them right down the field and generated a touchdown and did it with great confidence. And so when you have a locker room full of veterans, it doesn't matter where Lynch was drafted to those guys. You cannot sell to them the concept of anyone but Trevor Simeon starting the season at least. Right. If, if Simeon was the first-round pick and Lynch was the seventh-round pick, there would be no battle. Right. Simeon just would have been the starter – going into the year because he earned it last year. He's a young player who showed a lot in a tough situation last year, and then he came out, and you said it, in both these preseason games, when he plays, it looks professional. He looks like a young quarterback who the game's not too fast for, and that's that's hard to find. Like I, I got a, some feedback on Twitter from people saying, oh, well, well, Simeon's a low ceiling. He doesn't have the talent that Lynch has. It's like, says who? I don't know. Right. Like you just a bunch of draft analysts told you that if you just watch Trevor Simeon that he was a second year player and that's all you know of him was what he did in the NFL. He looks pretty talented to me. He's got a big arm, he makes good decisions. Like I I would be excited to have a young quarterback like Simeon. That doesn't mean you're not disappointed 
with Lynch, but Simeon's good. Yeah, I, I think he sort of won by default, too. And I think we've said that on this podcast before because Paxton Lynch really didn't show at any point in time that he could beat him. I think that Paxton Lynch lost the job more than Simeon won the job. But yeah. I, I almost feel like they need to bring in somebody else. Like, wh- why not sign a, a, a backup or somebody like mm. a Tyrod Taylor, maybe facilitate a trade? I know that's crazy. Why? Craig's making enough. eyes right Simeon now. It's good enough. Well, you don't need to bring in someone. Let's, He's a good player. Let's break this down a little bit because Lynch, I mean, let me ask you this. When is the last time a first-round pick quarterback wasn't the week one starter by his second season in this league? Is that you? Do, I, maybe I'm missing someone like obvious, but I feel like in this league, that's not the way it works someone, anymore. Someone tweeted out there's only been four in the last ten years. I think it was uh, Manziel was one. Brady Quinn was another. It was a terrible list. I'm missing one. Or so, there's like one or two more. Yeah. There you go. So now, by no means am I writing off Paxton Lynch. But at this point, I mean, you have to admit this is a red flag now above this guy that Trevor Simeon, as nice as a, a player as he's been and he's shown things and, and when he's been given the opportunity, is not a game-changing talent. Then why do you know but, that, though? Like, why? I don't get that. Why do we just, know that? Well, all right. I mean, do you think he's one of the next elite quarterbacks? I think he showed as much in his first season as an NFL starter as a lot of top-notch quarterbacks did. Absolutely. Okay. I think Simeon. I think the problem. And he has with a Simeon, chance. That's all I'm saying. It's like, yeah. It's just the. It's just in relation to the fact that you have this first rounder on the roster, and yes. it's 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 tough to swallow. I think for some Broncos fans. It's funny uh, watching the Redskins game that Theismann talked about. Kirk Cousins turned 29. On, on Saturday, and, and they asked Theismann where he was in his point in his career. He was just beginning his career as a starter. The wow. problem is that the NFL has now fast-forwarded quarterbacks' careers, that if you, if you are Lynch and you aren't, a guy that was advertised as one of the rawest rookie quarterbacks out there, and that's come that's played out to be accurate. We hear that all the time. I, the guys start right away but there's, despite what's said. Here's the problem. There are plenty of first-round quarterbacks that just because they're first-round quarterbacks are shoved into the starting position in year two, and it goes. it's a calamity, and it's a, it's, it sets the organization back. The Broncos are lucky to have Simeon in this position right now. Right. I, when you watch Lynch, you know who he reminded me of was Christian Hackenberg. I, just the timing, the fact that they had to... <laughs> he is not ready. Right, they had to load up on these really short passes to, like, quote-unquote, build his confidence. I mean, it, it wasn't building his confidence. The, the announcers pointed out really well how there were wide-open receivers that he could have hit for first downs, but he just didn't read the, the field well at all and just kind of threw the ball and was kind of panicked into tight quarters. It was he dangerous. There was a, of it. Yeah, there was a Demarius yeah. Thomas coming across the field on what would have been an easy throw to a wide-open wide receiver for the first down. Instead, he lofts. He's got a strong arm, but he whips it into traffic in a dangerous pass. They're lucky it wasn't picked off. That's Lynch. We'll uh, get into the Broncos a little bit more uh, when we go through the preseason games, uh, but we know who will be their quarterback. Moving on, it is the end of the road for Anquan Bolden. Um, part of Bolden's decision making or a big part of the process was looking at what was going on in the world right now, in this country right now, the issues, uh, specifically citing uh, the uh, the violence that occurred in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia earlier this month. Uh, here's what he had to say on Sirius XM NFL radio. For me to, to say that because football has been something that I've dedicated my life for. Uh, I can remember as a kid, I'm wanting to get to the NFL and wanting to to be a professional football player, uh, I dedicated my life to that, and I never thought anything would would take the place of, of that passion. But for me, it has. Colleen, 14 seasons. People kind of sleep on Anquan Bolden's career. 14 seasons, a second-round pick uh, of the Arizona Cardinals, uh, and he finishes with almost 14,000 yards, over 1,000 catches, 82 touchdowns. He's on the Ken bubble, you could make the argument. Yeah, ring as definitely. Well. I mean, just think about his rookie season. Remember when he came in? He's the only player in NFL history to have 1,000 catches as a rookie. He came in, and he came in with a bang. But I think yeah. that the fact that he said just 13 days ago he was all in with the Bills and, you know – seeing what happened in the world really changed things. I wonder if he was on a different team, if he would have made the same decision now that they traded Sammy Watkins. And and also, if you're looking at it from the Bills' perspective, um, Brandon, it's Brandon Bean, yeah. Brandon Bean uh, just said, 
he used Bolden signing as an example of why they aren't throwing in the towel and why they still can win. And Yikes. now they don't. They have Zay Jones and Jordan Matthews. Right. Well, you wonder if he looked at the events that's transpired on his team since he joined it. Right. I mean, at least por- partially. You'd have right. To you know, I wouldn't doubt, though, that he's unbelievably passionate. And I, I think of Anquan Bolden for a lot of reasons, but one was his Walter Payton man of the year speech a couple of years ago, which I happened to be there with. And he is, he's did that because of the work that he's done with underprivileged youth. And now he wants to get into criminal justice and you listen to him talk that night. And he's extremely passionate and should be held up as the type of guy that, that the NFL really prizes. And they did with this award. And he was like that on the field too. I mean, he was so much to fun, fun to watch. I also think of covering that Super Bowl in 2009 and as great as Larry Fitzgerald was, and Fitzgerald was at the height of his powers, and Bolden had a solid postseason, not an amazing postseason that year, he was sort of known as the heart and soul of that offense and the toughness that he, that he had and the fact that he had been there. Like, he was the guy that his teammates really talked about and looked to for leadership. Everywhere he's gone, he's been incredibly productive. And I, I take at face value what he's saying about why he's leaving. Yeah. I, I think, number one, he is – you could definitely argue he's a Hall of Famer you know, compared to some of the guys that are in the Hall right now. But secondly, I, I, I think even when you cover football and you watch what's happening around the world, it makes you question the, you know, the seriousness of what we're doing mm. you know, compared to other stuff. And I think that players, if this continues at this pace, you're going to get more players making decisions like this. It's easy to see why he would do it. I, I mean, I, I completely agree with him. Even last week when I watched the Vice News piece, um, that they did on Charlottesville. It was so good. And the reporter that was in it, her name was Elle. And I was watching what a great job she did. And I was like, what What am I doing with my life? Should I be do- <laughs> doing something that's more impactful on other people? So I understand where Bolden's coming from. Yeah. Uh, now here you are. And I'm, I'm still here. Us. I came back. Same thing. Yeah. Behind enemy Changing lines at a, uh, a hate rally uh, being on this podcast. Uh, but one last thing from, from my perspective, Anquan Bolden. One of the tougher guys, and I remember the 2008 season, the Cardinals were getting blown out by the Jets, and it was the end of the game, and Bolden got went over the middle and got obliterated by Eric Smith, the Jets' safety. Uh, had seven plates put into his face. Basically broke his face. Oh my 40 screws. He missed two games. That's incredible. <laughs> That's Anquan Bolden. Yep. It, it's insane. And, and before we move on, because this is – He's right there uh, among my favorite players that I've ever that I've watched since I've been doing this professionally. He, I think he'd be right there behind Frank Gore for the guys, tough, Hello. fun guys to watch over the last ten years. Two other things stand out. Uh, maybe the all-time greatest fantasy football pickup of all time mm. because no one, no one had him at all. And then his first game out of nowhere, he had 217 yards, and so everyone <laughs> picks that. him up. And then he has that monster year. And then number two, the Ravens do not win the Super Bowl without Anquan Bolden. That is not hyperbolic in any way. He had a playoff run very similar to the one Larry Fitzgerald had in Arizona to get them to the Super Bowl. A lot of Joe Flacco's money that he got was from just kind of throwing the ball up in tight coverage or down the field and Anquan Bolden making plays on the ball in those playoffs. He had 380 yards, four touchdowns in those four games. It was a monster run, and he really, to me, put them over the top to get that title. I remember that run specifically. It was like he was the king of the third down and long big catch, (laughs) like 13-yard reception over the middle, uh, people in his face. Yeah, he could play. Uh, are you calling Joe Flacco a fluco, by the way? No, I'm just saying Flacco doesn't get all that money without Anquan Bolden hel- helping him out. I was in the month. locker room near Anquan Bolden after that Super Bowl win, and people asked if he was going to keep playing, and he was he wasn't sure to some degree, but he goes on to have two straight 1,000-yard seasons after that, please. Wow. Did they ask him if Joe Flacco was a fluco? Uh-oh. I don't think that was a, a pressing question <laughs> this, that night. You should have been there, Dan. Is this a new bit? New bit. Flacco Fluco? This has been going on for a while. A long time, bro. (laughs) A long time. It's not a new bit from Dan. Finally in the news, uh, the NFL is close to finalizing a deal that would extend the tenure of Commissioner Roger Goodell through the 2024 season. Mike Garofolo of NFL Network reports uh, Goodell, 58 years old, succeeded Paul Tagliabue in September 2006. Been with the league in some form since 1982. Mark, you approached me privately and said you su- you had some quote unquote explosive, comma hypercritical comments to make. So now we'll throw it to you. That is absolutely incorrect. <laughs> I mean, I I think it's honestly I 
it was kind of news to me that, that commissioners are on these contracts, to be honest. Because yeah. I thought it was it was almost like a royalty type role where you just keep it until either you get too old or you know things huh. become too insane. Sure. Maybe that's how it should be. Like maybe Goodell's firstborn son is who will succeed him. I think plenty of people might. I I, I might agree with you. Plenty others might disagree with you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that's what people are asking for. No, no, Mark first. pivots out real quick. Though. <laughs> nice pivot, Mark. I'll take up the man. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I did think when I saw this, based on news that's been out there over the last week. Yes, last still week, talking about this. Wow. Okay. No, I, I just very quickly. You that, going preseason on us right now? No, oh. that last week there was a lot of talk about the. Collective bargaining agreement and a up. potential lockout mm-hmm. going in four years, happening in four years. And so I saw this coming out the next week, and he's going to be signed through it. I think that that is something that the NFL understandably would want to get done beforehand to kind of send the message that, like, this is our leadership. He's going to be the one handling it throughout that whole period. I was thinking yeah. that the preseason now has a chance to actually be knocked down to mm. two games. I think that will. Staying. I would. I would strongly expect that not yeah. maybe not two games it might be and then three. the preseason but would be over right now it would guys get, it would get knocked down three games i bet was three feels realistic you could still get a lot done and it you know saves a lot of pain i'm the only one that wants it to go back to the 70s i want six preseason games that is hell I remember oh, back then that you would actually also play division rivals in the preseason <laughs> oh and it was God, it was, sir, no. it was a huge it was a history. huge deal I'll, I'll never forget the the jets giants johnny uh, Joe Namath said the Jets-Giants preseason game after they won the Super Bowl where he guaranteed uh, yes. the victory, he said was a much bigger game, had much more attention, and he felt more pressure on it, that that was kind of the real <laughs> Come on. No, no, this is true. Yeah, that's true. And, like, it's that. the front cover of the New York Times and all this stuff. It, like, I don't really – it's hard to really wrap your mind around that right now, but that was the bigger deal. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. All right, folks. Let's talk a little preseason action. By the way, Mark, I went to Disneyland uh, with the family on Saturday. Yeah. Um, And I have to say, you know how I had my radar up a little bit about the whole Star Wars thing? Well, I mean, it's always you do, yes. Yeah, but in general, when, the, when I was worried about going back to the theme park in, gotcha. in the Disney-owned Star Wars era. Right, what, right. What They've mean, delved into uh-huh. that, yeah. My worst fears are realized when I went to Tomorrowland. It's basically a Star Wars exhibit within Disneyland. Everyone wearing the $35 t-shirts. There's like five different rides. It is no longer the Tomorrowland that I remember as a child, which is one of the more magical aspects of that theme park. Well, okay. Now it's a Star Wars attraction. Two quick points. One, Tomorrowland, I went to it a couple years ago before any of this stuff got yeah. dumped into it. Tomorrowland had become a little bit of a disappointment because you it, shut your mouth. No, because it became like here's what we thought space would look like in the future back in like 1958. Yeah, and it was they were you know it, it looks like the mid 1980s. It's ridiculous. But secondly, you know when you spend multi billions of dollars on something, I'm not surprised that they're maxing out their investment. No, I'm sure they're I mean, making the, a ton of money. But. You're you're fighting an uphill battle that you'd think they'd be extremely subtle on on this purchase and not make it clear that they own Star Wars. I guess to your point, the it is I have tom- nothing to add to I'm not even, I've, I've I don't even know what Tomorrowland is. I, I figured that well, I've been there. Well, I've when, been there. when you're born age 32 standing up, you would have <laughs> what, what to Greg but. to be fair to Greg, it doesn't look like anything from tomorrow. It looks yeah. like something from three I've been there. Ago. I've been to Disneyland. It's a whole big part of the park and it's mm. kitschy at this point, but I kind of like that kitschy aspect of it. Now it's something different. That's I mean, Sydney, if, I mean, I'm I sure gonna she's going to be melting down when she hears this. Yeah, Sid. Unmitigated. Uh, be know, better, Sid. Bow and arrow right to the heart of Disney, Disneyland. Sydney no, actually, stopped, a shout out. listening with weeks ago. She says she listens. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> shout out to Sydney, who did weeks. send me literally a 1,000-word email uh, explaining the best way to attack a Disneyland vi- visit, and uh, that shows once again why she's a one-woman Mount Rushmore and also that she is the number one. Disney fan. And her war strategy was uh, right dead on? Everything was perfect. Nice. Right down to the corn dog recommendation. I'm not even a corn dog guy. Best corn dog I ever had. I don't even really know what a corn dog is. I've never had one. It's stupid. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the preseason game. <laughs> it's a hot dog dipped in uh I never have either. Batter. I know what it is, but yeah. I've never had one. I, I, I'm I surprised you don't know what a corn dog is. Very, either a Greg hot take from Colleen there. I've never. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know. 
Now I'm more, I'm more of like if I go to a, a carnival or a fair, I'm more of a funnel so, you know, cake something girl. youthful, okay. corn dogs of youth. Please. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Greg. We didn't have those in Horsham. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Every once in a while, my mom who listens to the podcast would be like, you tell him you had a great childhood. <laughs> <laughs> I think to a mom it would be quite an affront, the entire yeah. campaign to suggest. Kind of feels like. Know. She's in the right on that one. All right, preseason game. So here we go. We're going to go through 12 games uh, before the show. We divvied up uh, uh, how we're going to go through them all. So, Mark, we're going to start with you. I'm just going to go. And, Mark, now I'm going to realize that what I told you, the order that we were going to go in, is not actually necessarily going to be the order. I will. So you're I gonna will. I'm going to have to on the fly. Yeah. You know, you're going to have to jump to the line. You're going to have to point out, say, watch the mic, watch the mic. <laughs> and we're going to start with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. What do you got? Biggest takeaway from Oh, by this. the way, let me set it up for the audience. Please better. do. A little better. And we're not going to get hung up on the games too much, although the results are important. Uh, so one kind of big takeaway from each team involved in the game. All right, Mark. I don't know how you get out of this game without the big takeaway being, you know, following a very, again, a very sturdy Alex Smith. Look great. Patrick Mahomes in his second pro game to me. Incredible progress even from his first preseason game. Starting to do things in every possible way you could ask a quarterback with his feet extending plays, uh, looking off his first option, incredible arm strength, and not afraid to push the ball downfield. Greg, I think you put it well in your winners and losers that the idea that Mahomes is a complete opposite to Alex Smith, that it's also helping Alex Smith, but the Chiefs are in great position at quarterback. I thought the same thing because Alex Smith played very well again. Yeah. And you wonder if, not that he's he's a professional and he's always been a, a sturdy, solid quarterback, that this doesn't help him. Like having this real guy that's making plays in practice and pushing him in a way that, insert bad Casey backup in past years, didn't. Maybe it makes Alex Smith a better quarterback. It makes him at least a little more aggressive. I mean, he's had two really good drives. They have to feel so good that they have a 21-year-old that seems ahead of schedule. I mean, he's already has to be one of the best quarterbacks in football, just at when a free rusher is coming after him, that he can run away and just kind of make a play on the run. Because that was the whole game. He had no protection, and he was doing it. What about I, the Cincinnati side of the ball? Well, I wanted to see Joe Mixon, and he was slowed down, uh, you know, did not get a lot done as a runner, but a very he had another screen pass where, again, mm-hmm. it took the fourth or fifth guy to get him on the ground, and I think that he's going to be such an, an incredible element to that Bengals passing game, and they may need it. The A.J. Green... Andy Dalton connection, which Green dropped a couple passes and things didn't go right. And it, again, it showed you that that offense slows down when that connection isn't perfect. Are you worried about it at all? Not that concerned. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Kareem Hunt. Look. I love Kareem Hunt. I'm <laughs> yeah, like he's good. so high on Kareem mm-hmm. Hunt. He, put, he had the ball, I think, 11 times in their first 20 plays. Their guy. Let's move on to Connie Fox, uh, who's going to start us with the Saints and the Los Angeles Chargers. Let's talk football, Connie. Alvin Kamara. So, okay. I mean, he says Kamara. I think, his, well, his mom says Kamara, and he says Kamara. Whatever. Either one works. Listen, he started the, the game with a huge splash play. He had a 50-yard touchdown run on the first play from scrimmage, a 20-yard catch. He's really versatile. He touched the ball six times at 81 scrimmage yards, and he didn't even play the first, the full first quarter. So he came out. He looks good. Uh, no Adrian Peterson or Mark Ingram in the game. But Kamara is a star potentially, I think. So how does that work? I don't Let's know. say this guy is the real deal, and they the two established veterans. I guess it's a good problem to have. I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a great a, problem. It's a perfect kind of Sean Payton type running back. He too. he's talked about him as a game changing, offense changing type of player, Sean Payton. Really. Yeah, and and that's what he's looking like. I think there's plenty of snaps to go around for the three of them. I think they got the they got the most versatile backfield in the league potentially. If, if Peterson can be Peterson. They're gonna, I, they they gonna they gotta love they gotta love this preseason. Right yeah, now. and I think uh, I was watching that on the Kamara touchdown run. Ryan Ramchek threw a really good block too, and he's kind of thrown into the fire right now. Uh, rookie left tackle with Teron Armstead out, so he had an up and down game. But, Give me something uh, from the Chargers. Okay, I wrote way too many notes uh, <laughs> on the Chargers side of things. The offensive line cannot catch a break. So their backup tackle broke his hand. You already have Russell Kuhn and Joe Barksdale out with injuries. So, I mean, I don't know. They actually made the Saints 
look like they had a pass rush. That's what the offensive line did in this game. Mm. Saints defense in general looks solid in this game. Of course, you know, Kellen Clemens is out there. I, that's right. what I can't stand about August football. It's hard to get an assessment about San Diego on offense with, with when you, your best players is it's not like, on the field. hey, L.A., StubHub Center, here's, here's seven quarters <laughs> oh, no. of Kellen Clemens. They, I don't think they scored offensively, did they, in this game? I mean, he, here's no zero points from our offense. Yeah. Zero with with my Super no run right game whatsoever. Their rookie Desmond King looked good, though. They'll be yeah. fine. I mean, were, Rivers didn't even play. Little it's concern. Just, just like little an, concern that I picked them in on, on like August 7th to go to the Super Bowl. Might have been a little audacious. <laughs> Thank, you, Remember, I, Thank you, Irish Times. And you, <laughs> you promised this year. You're gonna stick with that across all I, platforms. I will, and it will, and it's gonna be, and it's gonna be something that people will copy and paste into yeah. like mentions to me. And you know what? Bring it. Be the subject of like a bar stool article, like NFL media bozo don't know nothing. Yawn. Moving on. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Colts and the Dallas Cowboys. You know who I'm interested in, and you and if you're listening to this pod, you might know this. You fellas probably know too. I love me some Des Bryant. Always love Des. Uh, I started to get worried last year during another kind of injury plague season that we might have seen the best of Des, uh, and he could be a guy that goes into an earlier decline just because of how beat up he's been. Uh, maybe he does, but he looked really good in this game. Uh, Dak Prescott played some significant, um, got some significant playing time. Des made a really nice touchdown where he looked just like old Des Bryant, so which is good. The other kind of takeaway I had on the Cowboys offense is I think they're going to be fine getting by with Darren McFadden. How, how, you know, assuming he could stay on the field. I don't know about Al Morris as much, but ran well two weeks in a row now. Yeah, yeah. McFadden. He looks like the guy. That ran for 1,100 yards two years ago. So I, I'm not going to say he's going to be the, the run DMC guy that everyone thought was going to be a superstar, but I think they're going to be okay with him. And I think that's that's good for the Cowboys because they're probably going to need him for at least a month and a half potentially. One of the most telling things in this game was Dak Prescott telling the sideline reporter that Des Bryant is a much better football player than he was a year ago at this time. Wow. Hmm. Did he, between did the lines, he explain? What, what did he explain? Oh, he's talking about his health. Because he was not, he was. He, he had was, an off season oh, this year for like the first. Yeah, he time he was banged years. up last year. That was very public. He just didn't look himself. He was battling through injuries, and now it's kind of the, I'm in great shape. I'm healthy. Des. I I we talked about this on the last show, but this Colts team, it was painful to watch them. I, it's hard to assess how effective the Cowboys are again in this kind of a game when they're going up what might be the worst team in football minus out, when Andrew Luck's not on the field. 170 yards to 10 in the first quarter when the starters were out there. Scott Tolzien is very, he's hard to watch. He averaged far, five yards an attempt. Uh, the holes for McFadden were crazy. It's, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was sad to watch. By the way, Frank Gore, beware. Marlon Mack. He looked well. really good. Yeah. I think he's that team. You nervous that, about that? No, he's been getting hyped that, for months. That too. team needs some juice. You know, Mac getting some playing time. It's not the end of the world. Jaylen Frank Smith Gore doesn't need 350 too. carries at this stage. All right, Greg, moving on to Mr. Rosenthal. Greg, <laughs> let's talk a little New England, Houston. Tom Savage is where I'm going to start because he all but locked up the week one starting job. We got really excited about Deshaun Watson and his first preseason game. Tom Savage has had three straight really good drives, did – did a little bit of everything, kind of deep throws, red zone, looked good. Deshaun Watson wasn't bad in this game, but he was up and down. He ended up being 3 of 10 in the game, and it just cemented, I think, the decision that Bill O'Brien really is leaning towards, which is that Savage is the safer pick to start. It's eventually Watson's team, but overall, by all accounts, Tom Savage has had a good training camp, and he's played pretty well in the preseason after a couple bad drives in his first game. I've seen some good things from Watson, I but but again, it's it's almost like the Broncos scenario. Unless someone completely were to outshine the guy that was in there last right. year, you've got to start with Savage, and he's just simply looked completely efficient, or more efficient than many expected. Yeah, either. had a great throw to Jalen Strong too. I mean, he was out there without their top three receivers. How about Bruce Ellington? Right, he got cut by two different teams, including the Jets. You telling me the Jets couldn't use fantastic? This guy? Definitely don't need. So him. preseason, don't need him. We're good. He's a preseason. <laughs> Maybe it type is, of guy. but it's he, he made an impressive catch. He made a couple. Of, in fact, he joined the team and was starting within a week and was like their leading receiver, making plays is, is wild. He, here's a really hot take. Or That's here. I love it. mild take. Mild take. Okay. Mild, wow, you downgraded Rated that quickly. A bit. All right, Jimmy, like Mark with the Goodell. Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> in the Jimmy Garoppolo in the preseason. Yeah, and just in general, like. It, it's weird. We we just he never if you didn't know who he was and you just watched his preseason games from the last three years, 
Like, had, does he really stand out? If you I put him no. on the Browns at, say, they had traded him and he played the way in, in two starts for Cleveland, the way he has for New England, there would be concerns. Hmm. I, I just I, I think they'll be absolutely fine, but he's had some turnovers. Had made some great throws, too. I, made some great plays, but he's just been kind of up and down. Um, but then, And, you know, in addition to that, bigger problems because Deonta Foreman's four-yard run um, – <laughs> oh, no with 11 minutes to play in the fourth quarter, was the difference is the Houston Texans 27-23 win comeback uh, for Houston, improving them to 1-1. One one. Big home win uh, really gets the monkey off their back with the Patriots and the varsity jacket <laughs> and the playoff loss. Yes. All that is gone That's now. It's gone, wiped away. And, um, you know, it's time to hit that panic button because the defending champs, 0-2. Win the almost completely, almost mathematically eliminated from any opportunity of winning uh, going back yeah. to back, ba- based on I judge a preseason as a title. So if you can't do that, there's no repeat. Even Fair with yeah. Rex Burkhead, like the most Patriots player ever, looking like he's he going to explode. Good. Rex Burkhead. That's very yeah. It, it, not a surprise. It, incredibly tedious uh, development in New England. All right, let's go around the horn again here, Mark. A little Green Bay, Washington cheddar. I, I I don't know if 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 you want to just look at the preseason and say nothing matters, just get us to week one, and that, that there's a fair argument there. But the Redskins' offense, it has been an absolute disaster. It it, it looks better than it than it should because of one drive right before before halftime. They kept Cousins in until right before half because of what happened before. That's and, interesting and, in itself. It is, and and also I mean the look on Jay Graden, Jay Gruden's face said it all. I mean it, it was it was one. Uh, punt after the next. It, it, they couldn't move at all. They had a drive that just simply ended on downs because they couldn't convert a short run. Kirk Cousins, completely not on the same page with guys like Terrell Pryor. And uh, really making some interesting decisions that Kirk Cousins, talk about if Jimmy Garoppolo not having a preseason, you think he would have. Kirk Cousins has looked very problematic so far. And that Ravens game was an, was an abject disaster. And this did not get them any farther along. I'd be really concerned if you're I were actually, a Redskins. You, really? You're really? If you're a Redskins fan, I, you're worried about I, this. I think, number one, wow. number one, you're playing deep into the first half. You want to see them start to destroy the opposition that are putting out a bunch of ham and eggers, and they are not moving the ball at all. All right. What about on the uh, Green Bay Bad Bay's birthday. For wow. Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, after right there. Green Bay, I don't know what – It's here's the thing. Green Bay is what you want to see from any team. They, Aaron Rodgers in the offense went right down the field, shredded Washington, and looked like they had been you know, shot from a portal in mid-November. They looked absolutely warmed up and ready to go. And their defense, again, I, can't, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, th- if anything happens to Aaron Rodgers, Brett Hundley looked good too. So the Packers were, were fine. No concerns. So Washington 2-14? and 14. <laughs> I don't think it's anywhere near that dire. <laughs> they had a set. This is a guy. The amount of money that Kirk Cousins has made from the Redskins, I I don't like to see what I saw. They had a little bit night. of a similar vibe last August and going into the week. That's why everyone panicked so much yeah. in that Week One game against Pittsburgh. Right. So that that might be part of it. But when it does combine with a lot of reports out of Washington that the offense has struggled throughout camp, that the defense has kind of been dominating them, then then you do start. Yeah, to get a and little they've worse. called it a soft camp. It just I you know I don't know. You've um, you brought up questionable it's on, play calls. It's on Mark's radar. Redskins. Well, I actually wow. found this team when they last season and the year before when they're when they're moving and they're looking good. They're very interesting to watch. I, I actually they won me over last season. I don't. They're doing the opposite right now. Um, you mentioned suspect play calls. My favorite suspect play call of the entire <laughs> week was uh, Houston Texans in the first quarter against the Patriots. A third and six from the eight yard line. Fourth and six. Yeah. Fourth and six from the eight yard line, knocking on the door. Little ha- a little halfback draw to I Lamar mean, Miller for two yards. That's almost, it was almost like Bill O'Brien was trying to like make Bill proud of him and be like, hey, Bill, I don't give a about these games either. <laughs> we're cool like that. You and me, we're both like basically the same coach. As you guys pointed out, the Patriots didn't even <laughs> celebrate. I thought they, was, they were just kind of like, beguiled by the whole Coney thing. Tony Ealy was on the field. Literally, he like shrugged his shoulders like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, moving on. Connie Fox, the Dob Bears. Okay. I came up with that. And the Arizona Cardinals. Good job by you. That's amazing. I can't Inventive. believe you did that. Yep. Um, from the Cardinal side of things, Tyron Matthew. He looks like he's back to being a nightmare. That's back great. to back games. We've seen him play like this after 2016. He just never really looked like himself. He shut down Kevin White uh, on the first series. And then the best play of the entire game for him, he intercepted Mike Glennon and then ran it back about 50 yards. Most 
Nice. I know. So that set up the Cardinals' only touchdown of the first half. But he's so fast. And when he was playing, I guess it was two years ago, he was playing so well, and that's when he got hurt. We were talking about it, right. um, I think, was Mark, a defense, I saw yeah, you yeah. a couple defense days ago. player of the year Absolutely, candidate. Yeah. yeah. So it looks like he's back to that level at this point. And it's only the preseason. Looks spry, look good. That's great because especially after the second serious knee injury, then you start to be worried, will he ever get back to it? And, and he had a down year great. last year. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Um, do you want to flip it over to the Bears? Let's flip. Okay. Let's flip. Uh, I'm not going to go Aguayo or Glennon or Trubisky uh, yeah. here. Okay? okay, I like this. I'm buying stock in Tariq Cohen. Oh, yeah. Because oh. he looked really good. He looked That's so great. good that Bruce Arians was really pissed at his run defense for looking the way that they did. Mm-hmm. Cohen came out and broke off runs of 25, 16, 16, and 9, totaling 77 yards. And um, the only good play was the Robert Kimdiche tackle. Mm-hmm. But – it's a tough spot, I think, for uh, for Cohen because he looks good, but he's sitting behind Jordan Howard. But they, they have a nice little, little weapon there. He's a little there. different than Jordan Howard. Yeah. He's very wiggly, and, I mean, I, they're going to need wiggly. all the – He really oh, is. No. Like, he would, like, he's sort of slipping through people. It was just fun to watch, I thought. I mean, yeah. a 5'6 guy with the last name Cohen. Yeah. It's like I would have expected <laughs> he's like an OC character or something like that, not, not a running back for the Bears. <laughs> I'm always a little surprised because you were definitely plugged in on OC a little bit more oh, yeah. than I would have thought Greg would be. I would reference o- OC every like you know three and a half months or so. I feel like it comes. I was up. in on OC Be- Beverly Hills nine hundred two and Wow, I like the whole thing. Really, Melrose. Interesting. The reboot of nine hundred two and No, I did, oh. that, by then I was an adult. And I, was <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I'm not. You've always I'd been an adult. <laughs> I didn't really watch any any of the nine hundred two and stuff from Melrose Place, but I did. I was into Dawson's Creek initially. It's a little embarrassing. <laughs> no, you were not. That. Oh, so was I. I was That's a big, big early period Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. Oh. Like me and my loser friends um, that had no girlfriends, we were like way into Sarah Michelle Gellar as like ah. the star to track into the new millennium. Didn't quite work out that way, but that, that show was very good early on. <laughs> People forget with 90210 that it started as a family show. I, I was young enough where I would watch it with my parents when it would – Air and then oh, over the course no. of a couple seasons, it turned into this you know outrageous uh, soap opera. I guess this would be yeah. Sud- suddenly, like yeah, it gets dark and you're sitting next to mom and dad while they're just getting like bombed and drunk driving. And like, what's going on here? I think yeah, I was just well, watching Saved by the Bell at this point. Yeah, I was watching Bell. I don't really younger. remember a whole than lot. You're yeah. Than <laughs> um, I guess I'll just share the story real quick since Sarah Michelle Geller came up. But oh god, um, we had a, a friend of ours. I will not use his name, but. Uh, uh, he he was looking for a prom date right around this time for the junior prom, and uh, we told him he should write a actual letter to Sarah Michelle Geller and mail it and see if one of those things happens where it's like Paris Hilton showed up to the prom, oh. like maybe it would happen for uh, that. So he, as a joke, he didn't take it seriously. But what he did instead was because um, he kind of had like a kind of a nerdy sensibility, but a good sense of humor. A couple of days later, he's like, hey, guys, I wrote that letter. And he wrote uh, the most profane, like, perverted letter possible. Like, really something that, like, the last thing you would ever send out is just try to make us laugh. So we, we thought it was funny and forgot about it. And then, like, oh, no. a couple of weeks later, he's like, hey, guys, my uh, my mom found <laughs> the letter in the room. And uh, and she, she just she, – I came home from school, and, and she was just sitting in the kitchen with the letter. Oh, no! said, what is this? And then – like you don't understand, it was a joke. Uh, I didn't, oh, so you just revealed real. his his. You revealed his name. Right? Okay, yeah. okay, that out. And then um, her response was, and this had to be crushing. She's like, "You really need to get a girlfriend." And she dropped the letter and walked out of the room. No! <laughs> what a response! That's so embarrassing. <laughs> I was convinced that was Jason Zumwalt until you dropped uh, someone else's not name. Not I thought it was Bob. No, not Bob either. Um, so there's my Sarah Michelle Geller story. Ah. Uh. Mike, New Glenn, era. Mike Glennon <laughs> thrilled that we didn't talk Good about how, how poorly he's. Oh, forget You're off the hook this mess. week, Mike. <clears throat> New Era's NFL training collection has a great combination of innovative performance and style. With features like UV protection, moisture wicking, and cooling technology, there's no reason you shouldn't make the New Era NFL training collection a part of your daily attire. Available at <clears throat> retailers like Lids, NFLShop.com, and Dick's Sporting Goods. In your favorite team. By the way, thank you to everyone on Twitter. All summer in a day, 
a science fiction short story by Ray Bradbury. Ray Bradbury, first published in the March 1954 issue of the magazine of fantasy and science fiction, uh, became very popular. That was the bizarre story I was trying to describe on Friday's podcast. A lot of reaction to that. I, someone killing me that I wouldn't know it. Well, why would I? I, I think it. Come I on. I must. Have, I didn't know it either. It wasn't like I was digging through like Eisenhower era science fiction as a child. I think it w- became popular <laughs> enough that it was in schools and it was a story. I would have gotten you guys there if I was here, but yeah, I'm here Friday. You've read totally would have been all over. Do you actually know it? Do you know it? No. Okay. okay. (laughs) Anyway, a lot of people did, though. So thank you. You had my back. Love you guys. Now, you know who doesn't have my back? The New York Jets. Let's talk about the Jets and um, the Detroit Lions game. And uh, I guess we got to start with. Yeah, let's start with the Jets and Christian Hackenberg. uh, As much he got kind of reserved uh, positive reviews off last week, all that kind of went away. Uh, in the game on Saturday, he was pretty terrible. Um, he doesn't have a lot of help, and that's a big problem with the entire thing because the offensive line is not settled at all. He has no playmakers, but it, he does not look functional at this point, and this quarterback competition is as over as the Denver one, even if Bowles is going to wait another week before he announces it. Um, just to give you a little bit of perspective how bad they've been with Hackenberg on the field. And the Jets are going to be bad with whoever's on the field, by the way. Uh, but zero points and 13 possessions against the Lions, but not the 85 Bears. They have some nice players, but they're not the 85 Bears. Two first downs and 47 yards in the entire uh, half. <clears throat> he, he was a surprise starter before the game. After the game, Hackenberg, because they took away what they did was the, the the line sat up and took away all the short stuff that worked for Hackenberg when he got some positive reviews last week. And then once that happened, it was all over. And Hackenberg had nowhere to go. He took a couple savage hits. Uh, after the game, Hackenberg said he watched tape. Uh, that the, he believed the Lions watched tape, and that's how they they came up with the game plan. And then isn't that I, how it works? Somebody in the Lions then said oh. we didn't watch any tape. The, these teams are, <laughs> they're not watching a second of tape for these preseason yeah. games. Uh, so that's the Jets, really funny. the Jets are in deep, deep trouble. You know that, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And then uh, he fumbled on his first pass attempt. Like you, you should have known it was going to be bad. Well, the he very took the worst sack of the weekend too. I thought I was yeah. surprised to see him get up. It was. It showed some toughness. He kept playing, but. Uh, some people thought that that's on him to kind of yeah, identify right. there's more rushers than there were six rushers. Well, it wasn't his blind side. I mean, he, he was coming right he, at him. He know? had eight plays where he went back to pass. Those eight plays created zero yards total, a, to- a total of zero yards. And, and a couple of his passes were just way off. It's, well, it's very idea, clunky. Yeah. And the idea that, oh, well, you know, they're going to need to get a good long look at him at some point this season. No, you don't. Right. I, I think they sh- they should get a good long look. I, I think it made sense what they did in the second preseason game. They should do it again for the fourth preseason game. I think after that, you can make an evaluation where, I don't know, like I don't think his roster spot should necessarily be guaranteed just because you took him in the second round. If you're confident enough in your evaluation, this guy's never going to be a guy. Yeah, but if the season is one big evaluation, what's what's going to hurt? Like giving him a couple starts, and then maybe if he bombs out then, then you have you, what else do you have to see if you get enough looks at him? i just saying I think at this point, you know, they were able to hide behind the excuse last year that he was in bubble wrap. He's now out of bubble wrap a year later, and they're still saying he's like a rookie and all this stuff. No. I mean, at this point, if he doesn't show something soon, I agree. And as someone who a month ago thought they should have started him to begin the season, it's clear now that he is not close to being ready. And you just – Well, you're doing a service to nobody yeah. at that point. And quickly, there's not – I don't know what to take away from this game from the Detroit side because the defense well, – Maybe a looked, little humble pie that's showing up for training camp late. Didn't really hurt them. Uh-oh. <laughs> wow. Maybe, maybe that's coming out. But at the same time, it's like a couple things. How can we make any judgment about the Lions defense when they're against the Jets? Uh, that's that's my only point. They look good, but whatever. Um, and Offense look good. Yeah, Jake Ruddock even. They might be okay. He look good uh, um, as a backup. And my other point, I don't want to be negative about the Lions. But uh, Jim Caldwell, you know, over in Tennessee, a franchise on the rise. Mike Malarkey, what does he do? He says, hey, guys, let's reschedule practice. Let's look at the Eclipse together. What do you think our friend, uh, Mr. You know, I don't blink, Jim Caldwell did? What, what was his response? Jim, he not only had practice during the Eclipse today, he moved it indoors because he worried that because of the Eclipse, it might be hard to see. 
Well, especially if he doesn't blink. This he is a major. <laughs> this is a major solar event. And guess what? Good job. It's essentially he's the ba- he, like the kids were the evil classmates in all summer in the day in a day. That's what Jim Caldwell did to the entire Lions roster, wow. putting him under a bubble. Mike so Zimmer did. That's the, your team, Detroit. Mike wow. Zimmer did the same thing, but he he said legitimate well, medical different. reasons. He's only got one eye. He doesn't want to ruin that. Works well. He doesn't want to ruin that. Brought him inside. All right, that's true. Let's move on. Uh, Greg, you are up, so let's talk a little. Let me get my paperwork together. Uh, the Rams and the Raiders. Jared Goff is coming off the most positive performance of his career. It's only preseason, but he hasn't had a lot of things to make the home crown excited. And if I was a Rams fan, I would feel very good just that he looked competent. Okay, so we looked for Paxton Lynch, just didn't look competent like there was no growth here here's Jared Goff in a new offense who is making good decisions who was kind of going through his reads a lot of check downs but ultimately made really smart decisions all night and had a couple really nice throws and moved the ball they had 17 points in the first half 14 uh, points in the first quarter and you'd start to think okay like maybe Sean McVay can bring Goff up to a level where he's a, a solid starter this year. Absolutely agree. Uh, two things happened. When Goff suddenly looked competent, it opened up Todd Gurley's action on the ground. He had a couple nice runs to the to the far side of the field, got yardage, and you have an offense. The Rams for years could not develop wide receivers, hurting every quarterback that they had in there. You now suddenly, in the, you did not have this 10 days. You have Sammy Watkins to go with, a, with Cooper Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, who absolutely looked like he fit in like a like an experienced veteran in that attack. Cooper Cup has a decent chance to be their number one receiver, I think, over Sammy Watkins. I know it's crazy because he's I mean, just in terms of the amount of receptions that he gets. He he is his hype in terms of uh, the team around him and just what he's shown on the practice field and now in both preseason games has been. I would say right there with any rookie in the entire league. This is a third-round slot receiver. I, it, I would be surprised if he doesn't catch 60, 70 passes. Les Snead could use a hit in the middle of the round. Well, I talked to Les Snead in the offseason. Uh, yeah, and uh, he was so high on Cooper Cup, and I was kind of thinking to myself, like, all right, is he, just, is he just really pumping him up right now because he's on the Rams? And now I'm, like, seeing – all of the things that he said about him are true, which is kind of – it's kind of weird. I don't know if I trust it yet. Yeah, well, I, it's more evidence that, at least for me, I'm going to look at Jared Goff, like, reset button, because now it seems yeah. like he has some players, has a coaching staff, and he's showing signs of growth now. Let's see what happens. Same thing with Todd Gurley. I'm excited to see what the Rams look like. Anything from the Oakland side, Greg? I really didn't have a big takeaway other than I was concerned about their defense on paper going into the training camp and from what I've read in training camp, and they certainly didn't make me feel any better about them in this game. I I don't know how you, you know, everyone sort of tickets them to get right back to 12-4 and with what we've seen from their defense so far. I'm not going to make that judgment off of preseason, but there are problems. Uh, Last time around the horn, Mark, a little Falcons-Steelers. What a showdown. My takeaway for this game was that a lot of times when we would bring up the Falcons beyond just the Super Bowl hangover scenario was the absence of Kyle Shanahan replaced by Steve Sarkeesian, who's never called an NFL game. I, I, I have harped on that a bunch. After two, after seeing what the starters and even, even you know the waves of players after the starting offense have done, I couldn't be more impressed with the Falcons. They look like they're picking up right where they left off from last year on offense, and it has the same feel as last year's offense. The flow of action, the way that plays are being called, is very similar to to last season so far, and I think that it tells you potentially, because this is a defense on the rise too, that the Falcons are, uh, you know, th- this is continuity where you really, really needed it. Well, how do you explain them, Mark, their 0-2 record to start the season? Because everything about <laughs> yeah. that, uh, that's, it stinks like a Super Bowl letdown. Yeah, in the prism of how we're assessing, how you're assessing the preseason, <laughs> that's a very fair concern. But they shredded Pittsburgh's defense over the first mm. 20 minutes or so. Yeah. They're a With team no though, Julio they're Jones, a team, by the though, way, I don't, no Devonta Freeman. I don't put much. They're such a veteran team that, like, their offense, I, I almost don't even want to watch it this preseason just because I've seen all those guys before. Let's see what they, you know, let's see what they do in the regular season. What about the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mark? I guess you have to look, you have to look at James Conner, who, you know, we've waited to see him, and he he was good. I, I don't put him in the same place I would with with Mixon or or Cook on the on the Vikings, but he's he's he gives them. They didn't have a clear cut backup, um, and he's someone that if Le'Veon Bell for some reason did not 
start the season, that would be a disaster. He gives you another body back there. Bell's usage was also off the charts last year once he finally came back from suspension. So if this guy actually can play – uh, beyond just being a fan favorite and a great story, that would be very good. One other well, quick thing. I mean, Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs at one point, I mean, he's had a rough two weeks. He's scrambling to his, you know, towards the sideline and just simply drops the ball. There's a lot of things happening where if there's anything that happens to Big Ben and it goes to Josh Dobbs, you got problems. Yikes. Colleen, a little Carolina, Tennessee talk. Okay, so Marcus Mariota. He looks better than ever. And, of course, that's something that is said a lot in the preseason. It's thrown around. X-player, yeah, looks better than ever. But his leg doesn't appear to hinder him at all. He was sprinting around on the second play of the game. And I think his passes look even prettier and better executed than they did last year. So it looks like he's actually taken a step in the offseason. He's not only rehabbed, but I think his mechanics are better too. Kind of like Savage, he's playing without most of his best receivers weren't even out there. And he's, yeah. still, he's still dialing up plays to like Taewon Taylor. That's true. Who who week one might be a bigger factor than Corey Davis, who is their top five overall pick. I mean, we'll see if Corey Davis gets back on the field, but yeah, he's a guy coming from a small college who's barely practiced as a pro, whereas Taylor's been on the field, seems like a part of that offense. Greg's boy, Derek Henry. After oh, yeah. on the last show, you said maybe he would eclipse That's right. Marco Partial Murray. Eclipse. Yeah. Partial, Partial eclipse. eclipse. He's- Partial eclipse. They are trusting him to do a lot. <laughs> uh, you, you gave up on that. Why not? Why not finish? I thought you were only partially finishing the, the bit to, to reference partial equipment. No, you got to be what? very careful. No, you you got to follow the rules. Right? When I was yeah. a figure skater, I did a routine to that song. Did you really? Yeah. Is it? Do we have footage of it anywhere? I hope not. I don't think so. Can you dig it up for our Wednesday show? Definitely not. <sighs> we'll see. Worth the idea. <laughs> Worth the shot. Let's uh, move on and talk. Wait, uh, Panthers. We got. Oh, Panthers. sorry. Real quick. Oh, Panthers. hey, don't oh, shortchange me now. <laughs> um, my opinion of Colleen's on like 14 shows now, so she can just like fire <laughs> off. Barbs. My opinion of Christian McCaffrey (laughs) just keeps getting better and better. He has amazing big playability. He had a really nice 17-yard touchdown run, um, and he also was in there catching screen passes. He finished as the team's third leading receiver, so he's super versatile and – Obviously, they're going to use him a ton coming up in this. That 38-yard screen pass he had, I, you're going to be seeing this all season. Yeah, and it's I, it's it's another thing where you're like, wait, why did, how did this guy not land on a team I would rather see succeed more than the Panthers? What? Namely, mine. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, he could have been. Yours. He's so he's he, he could have been on your team. You I know. The first I just pick. I I just it just it's it's uh he's he's going to be rookie of the year type candidate. Player. I remember I really so. at the combine after he was finished with all the running back drills, they then put him through a bunch of different receiver drills too, and he was the only one I think that day that they did it with, and he was dazzling everybody. Well, people said he had the best combine they had ever seen. Yeah. Basically, so. Um, Good job, Colleen, to stick up. For yeah, her. I apologize, Colleen. She's like, Your apology. I want to make my point, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> can I share? Can I share the new like world here at NFL Media? I don't know. I don't think so. I can't share it. I don't think so. Not okay. yet. I'll holster that. Yeah. Co- Colleen is the new play-by-play host for Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? She, That's she's replacing. Uh, who, who is that even? I should have. I don't know. People uh, are gonna. That went it. well. They'll take that seriously. Yeah. Right? No, so that's so not serious. Yeah. There, I can't say. I'm not allowed to say. But I don't Colleen's think so, very popular yet. around here now. No, I'm not. It's fine. I believe it's Jim, in contrast, Jim Nance. To, in contrast to the rest Jim of the room. Nance. At least most of the room. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> uh, all right. Now I will uh, share my final thoughts on the Seattle Seahawks and uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Russell Wilson. First of all, there was a big injury in this game. I, I, they lost their left tackle, the Seahawks, George Fant. Uh, and it looks like he's done for the year. And they had a third-round pick going in for him after the injury. And I don't know if that's the maybe the last thing the Seahawks needed after a season in which Russell Wilson was banged up. Losing your left tackle uh, halfway through August is terrible news. So we'll see if they're able to find a way to uh, fix that situation. We've got a little uh, breaking news here oh, related to this. Seattle Seahawks have acquired tackle slash guard Matt Tobin. From the Eagles. Toby! Landed Topster! And a seventh round pick in exchange for a fifth round pick. He is expected to compete. He probably will still be a backup. I think they have this uh, younger guy whose name I can't quite pronounce. Well, they have it's Reese Odiambo. Yeah, ah! Nice. Good pronunciation, Mark. I liked it. Uh, Luke Jokel um, is a possibility, too, I guess. I don't know. Mm. 
not inspiring. No. It sounded but, uh, like Monday they wanted to leave him at, at guard. Yeah. And try someone else at that. Uh, but the point I was going to make is if they if they figure this out, good. But Russell Wilson looks so great. That he's so fluid, and he's really fun to watch, Wilson. And you kind of you forget how he was basically the best quarterback in the league at the end of the 2015 season, and then he got all jacked up last season, and the offense had some issues. Um I wouldn't be surprised if he's an MVP guy this year. You know what? To me, yeah. he looked, and, and there was, in the dead of July, I wrote some article about how he went on this entire diet. He lost, he shed, I think, 12 to 15 pounds or something. Forgot about that. He looks like a guy that is completely trimmed down. He's got his speed back. He's fully healthy. I couldn't agree more with your point. Um, uh, the, uh, one quick Minnesota point, and then I'll close with the Seattle point. Uh, Dalvin Cook looked really good again. Seven carries for 40 yards. It looks like Minnesota hit on something there uh, in their tr- transition away from AP. And then on the other side of the ball, running back, uh, I don't know about the Zeddy Lacey thing. And this could be a problem for the beach body umpire. Because beach body. I don't know about his body, how it's looking. Well, he's he's not out of shape. He's just – I don't think he's – He's not quick. He's a, the guy that they are looking for to start necessarily. They keep putting other people in there ahead of him. Yeah, he, he definitely – they have another option. Their seventh-round pick, Chris Carson, who ran better than him. And basically – He looks good. Eddie Lacy yeah. looks potentially redundant in this offense. So, I don't know. Is it possible he's a surprise cut? We'll, we'll have to see how it all plays out. But uh, I'm sure uh, – other than that, though, the offense looks great. Uh, Eddie Lacy, maybe not so much. I – I never know how to what, take what to take from these Seahawks preseason games. You can set your clock to it that every year the Seahawks are just going to mash teams in the preseason. That they just come out and they play so hard and they're like like they're so excited when they make a stop and they just destroy teams year after year. I, I love it. It's Pete yeah. Carroll's way. One one last thing. Shout out to the the twelves. I have to say because in the clink. That was legitimately like a regular <laughs> yeah, season crowd. Yeah, it's yeah. Crazy. Like they're, they're screaming their heads off during this game. And it's like it is week two of the preseason and they're acting like it's the NFC championship game. So shout out for the 12s. I think they're maybe they love the preseason as much as I do. I think they see it the way you see it. Yeah. Super hyper passionate about the team, no matter what. Greg, close us out with a little Denver, San Francisco. Well, we already talked the quarterback on the Broncos, but I'm interested in their running back situation. Jamal Charles didn't play uh, for a second straight week, and you wonder, he's going to play in the third preseason game, but D'Angelo Henderson, who is a rookie that in theory would have a similar role to the one you imagine Charles playing as kind of a third down backup change of pace, he's a factor. He looks good, and he's healthy, and I think he's going to make it tougher for Jamal Charles to make this team because Henderson looks like a guy that's going to be someone you want to get the ball behind Anderson once the regular season starts. I mean, they've, they've, I think with Jamal Charles, like he probably had to come in and, and wow these guys too. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll come out next week and we don't know enough about it right. and he'll look great too, but he, he hasn't been healthy. And so I think Henderson's going to make some noise. Anything else, Greg? Well, for the 49ers, I, I, I've liked what I've seen out of their two rookie defenders. I'm not going to – I don't put too much into the fact that they didn't move the ball at all against the Broncos. I, I don't know. Like, they – Brian Hoyer supposedly has looked good throughout camp. He looked okay in the first preseason week. I'm I'm willing to just throw it out. Right, the problem with Hoyer is he's going to do two things a game, if not more, but at least two to kill you. And he and he did that in this game. And I, I'm a, I, I agree with you. Kyle Shanahan likes to – Kind of unveil things when they're, when week one begins, but they had ten yards rushing over I think, the first twenty five minutes. Yeah, it's, I, it's the second game in a row where the ground game, ground game under Shanahan typically you see it, you yeah. see the difference, and we've not seen it. And they're trying to figure out who who's even going to get the ball behind Carlos Hyde. There's a lot of options. They haven't really settled on who's going to be the backup. Uh, very good. Uh, all right, there it is. Week two of the preseason. Good stuff, everybody. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, it'll be our video show, so you'll get the audio show. And if you go to NFL.com slash ATN video, you'll also get a video show. Um, so that will be exciting. And uh, coming up later, I don't know. It's not sure if it's going to be later this week or <laughs> next week, but it is the third. We got to figure this out. Yeah, we got to <laughs> button this one down uh, it is the third annual fantasy extravaganza <laughs> very regal uh like and squires involved yeah it's our own special version of the a fantasy preview because we know if you're a smart person your draft should be coming up 
anytime after week three of the preseason, if it's before, get your act together. You're trash. You're a clown. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to rein it in a little bit because there's probably a lot of people listening to the show that are already drafted. Well, wh- but you're what? right. You're right. But anyway, what, Colleen? No, um, that's crazy. Oh, I, yeah, I yeah. mean, get your mock drafts in right now, yeah, but not your up. real drafts. Mock it up. Anyway, so we're gonna we want to hold our uh, extravaganza right around the time where your draft is gonna be happening. So, uh, either later this week, next week, get excited! Special guests galore, and uh, our own unique take on fantasy, uh, including the guy that built fantasy himself, Greg Rosenthal, brick by brick, over at Roto World, and of course, a return to Fantasy Corner with Mark Sessler. Very dangerous and hot takes abound. Yeah, an ominous place to be. More so than ever. Well, I'm we'll, worried about you. Let's be real. We'll be, miss, we'll be missing Wes even more. I mean, we miss him every show, but we, we miss him even more during fantasy extravaganza oh. week. Won't be the same without him. It's hard him. to even think, uh, imagine that we'd do it without him, but we this year is different, unfortunately, and we just got a soldier on without the gold. Or no I have an idea. We simply boycott <laughs> the fantasy double show. <laughs> I do. Uh, last year, one of my favorite subplots was how much you despise the fantasy extravaganza, including the ramp up and planning process. Well, I mean, you know, let's yeah. it's it's it, let's see, let's see what, for, for what it is. I you can't know, wait for it now. I'm so excited. I, you know, I could do with or without it. If it happens, <laughs> I'll do my best. Get, get on that corner, put on the Kevlar vest and let's have some fun, Mark. <laughs> All right, Roger. <laughs> That's it. Stan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm. Connie Fox, the boss, <laughs> and Taposi behind the glass. Till Wednesday! Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today. Looking for a better solution to keep your firearms in high-performance condition? Visit RiptideArmory.com for the most advanced proprietary gun cleaning formula on the market. Right now, get up to $40 off any cleaning kit for a limited time on RiptideArmory.com and take advantage of this amazing deal today. Riptide's two-step cleaning kit offers state-of-the-art technology and guaranteed satisfaction. Riptide Armory is a veteran-founded business, and you can trust that all chemicals are American-made and quality-tested. Shop RiptideArmory.com.